0: This is episode number 184 of the Rising Man podcast with Cal Callahan. Curiosity may have killed the cat, but it saved the man. Welcome back, Rising Man fam. Thank you so much for joining me here today on the Rising Man Podcast. My name is Jetty Azuma here with another power packed episode of the Rising Man Podcast. Before we jump into our episode and our guest for today, I want to invite all of you men who have not yet signed up to take part in our 12 week online course called Ignite. I want to encourage you to jump in there today. This is a 12-week, three-month primer to help you jumpstart your life as a man. Seriously, every single module inside of Ignite was tailor-made to help you and every man who is beginning men's work, or maybe you've been in men's work for a while, but you're still struggling to nail down your values and your vision and how you want to strategize and design your life ignite puts it all together inside of 12 weeks plus it's an amazing community of men and a really easy way to get involved with our community so head over to risingmanorg slash ignite get yourself signed up today trust me it's an amazing investment not just in yourself but in your future so go ahead and check that out today all right Our guest for today is Cal Callahan. Cal, a retired trader, hosts the Great Unlearn podcast and runs Unlearn Ventures, an investment fund and incubator for forward-thinking projects. He lives in Austin, Texas with his wife, three kids, two dogs, and pet pig named Petunia. Through the Great Unlearn podcast, Cal shares conversations with some of the world's leading experts and performers to help men and women unlearn their way into a new way of being. In this episode, Cal and I dropped into some highly potent topics. We dove in on the difference between quitting and surrender, why ambitious men need to understand this distinction. Cal introduced the concept of unlearning, and why we must all begin to question the ways we do things and identify what is not actually ours. We talked about raising our children to question everything, including us, their parents, and why it's so important to model ownership and responsibility for children. Lastly, we looked at where we source motivation from and why men in the modern world tend to have an accelerated timeline of cause and effect. Remember, change doesn't happen overnight. This and so much more without further ado, Cal Callahan. All right, Rising Man family. I've got another man joining me here today for what I believe is going to be an amazing conversation. Cal Callahan coming live from that beautiful background you got up in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Man, great to have you on the show today. How you doing?
1: I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. As often as it happens, I was wishing we had recorded a little earlier as we were having, mm-hmm. we were dropping in together, but I know we'll have some good nuggets uh, as we go forward. So, yeah, thanks for having me today.
0: Yeah. Well, we're just warmed up now. So let's baton where we left it and carry it forward. So the first question I'd like to ask every man who comes on here is for you, Cal, what does it mean to be a man? Well,
1: as we were just talking about, it's about unlearning a lot of the things that we were told what it meant to be a man. And it's questioning, you know, what our culture has shown us a man really is. It's integrating that feminine piece of understanding, acceptance, surrender, which is not something that a lot of us do very well because it was not really honored in us growing up. And I know that as as I've started to do those things, as I started to let go of control, whether it's in raising my kids, whether it's in my relationship with my wife, whether it's in business dealings, as I've done that, I have started to notice things really working for me, right? The universe conspiring for you versus against me. And as I've done that, I become much more open. And I think a man really has to tap into that grace, that understanding, that vulnerability. And I know that word gets thrown around a lot, but you know, for me it's important to be able to, you know, get emotional. It generally happens out of gratitude. You know, I'll be sharing a story, a moment, something on my podcast, you know, or as a guest on someone's podcast, I'll just well up and get choked up uh, with tears. And there's not any part of me that uh, wants to stop that anymore, because I want other men to see that has been part of my healing is to really own that part of who I am and to allow my kids to see that, to see my two boys who are 18 and 15, to see their dad can go there and still be a man you know, fortunately, they, had, they don't have a lot of that programming, that boys don't cry. That was never part of the way my wife Peyton and I raised them, but it's certainly within our culture. So I'm trying to show up as an example to them, you know, really as a father too, my dad did the best he could, but the tools he was given were more of very controlling, trying to get me and my sister to act a particular way. And in controlling that situation or trying to, it created a lot of confusion for kids, for me and my sister, like, oh, like my instinct says to do this. But my dad, who's this imposing, oppressive at times man of my life, is telling me to do something else. And so to really Mm -hmm. allow my kids to have their own experience instead of being that oppressive dad who's trying to make them the best kid I can through those means. What if I follow their lead, create some boundaries and maybe let those boundaries widen as they start to navigate their life and, and allow for their mistakes and to allow for them to learn from those versus from my lecturing them on what's right and what's wrong. And as I've done that, You know, I've really developed, I feel like an amazing relationship with each of my three kids just by allowing them to have their own experience. And so that's, it's like letting go. Like, can we just let go of all of it in a way? And it doesn't mean check out, it doesn't mean be passive and sit on the sidelines. It's about paying attention and seeing how I can support them. And sometimes I got to, you know, drop the hammer and there are going to be some consequences because they've really crossed the line. But it's all good too. They know that they're still loved, that I'm not disappointed that it's part of their journey and let's learn yeah. from it. So it's, it's really reshaping what we were taught.
0: i want to follow up with some questions on that specifically around the fatherhood piece. So you're the host and creator of the great unlearn podcast. And so that idea of unlearning. I asked you before we started recording, you said that it's about questioning the way we do things. And I have a great friend of mine named Phil Gomez, and his work is around decolonization of the masculine. And his definition of decolonization is this word that we're throwing around more and more often is exactly what you said. It's the practice and discipline of questioning things and reviewing them and deciding for ourselves as individuals, is this mine or is this someone else's? And so in what you're speaking about as Part of what it means to be a man is to be willing and able to question those things and to decide for ourselves what's true. Having sons, how does that play into the way you raise your sons specifically about them questioning you and questioning all of the things? Because if that's the definition you hold, then you must be inviting them to question everything that you've taught and conveyed upon them as well, I bet, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. And I love that idea of decolonizing because, yeah, it's very much how I view it we've accepted these beliefs. We've, as we said earlier, we've made these agreements unknowingly about what it means. And for my boys specifically, and even my daughter, you know, there are some times in particular, my oldest has said things to me that would have gotten me a backhand and then some, but I've come through the understanding that, you know, one of the things my wife loves to say is, He's not giving you a hard time. He's having a hard time. Hmm. And if I can just be in that mindset and understand that when he's lashing out at me, when he's saying things that feel personal, that hmm. feel like he's trying to hurt me, it's because there's something going on with him. And he's, you know, 17, 18 now, but 17, when we were having some shit go on that, you know, I don't think a lot of dads would have accepted Mm -hmm. but I let him vent on me and say things that, again, appeared personal. And then I just let him sit in that because I felt like the biggest thing for him was not for me to try to mend the fence afterwards. It was to let him to sit in what that felt like to lash out at me, someone who has shown up in a particular way in his life, and, and just question him when he was calmed down, like, is this the relationship you want? Because I can be the oppressive prick dad. I, I can do that. Like I know how to do that. I intentionally choose not to be that guy. And I want you to have the space to learn, but there are consequences for you doing this. It's safe to do it. So there's this very nuance, like, it's okay mm-hmm. to do it, but understand that we need to have a conversation about this when you have your shit together to figure out what we want out of this relationship, because I'm signing up for something different than what you're presenting right now. I think just allowing him to make those almost, I don't want to call them mistakes because they're learning experiences for him and for him to feel safe, to be able to do that with me. If he can do that, if he can say some shit where you're just like, bro, how how could you say that to you? And Mm. you just allow it. Because there's something much deeper going on. He's hurting. Okay. So can I hold space for the pain that my 18-year-old kid is experiencing? Because I don't know what it is. But if he knows that everything's on the table, that that no matter what happens, it's really ultimately the long game for me is when the shit really hits the fan, I want to be the first phone call. You know, when they feel like they're in such a pickle that A lot of times, if we don't feel there's a safe place to go for help, we'll try to figure it out ourselves. And we're usually not in the right mindset to make good decisions. So it just becomes worse, right? The Mm cover-up becomes worse than the crime and it becomes this whole spiral. I don't want that to happen. I want to, like I said, kind of create enough space for them to, you know, kind of fuck up, but also know that nothing is unfixable. And right. we're all meant to learn from these things. And and so it's, it's creating these boundaries that are probably maybe a little more expansive than others might have. It's certainly more expansive than, than I've had in the past and understanding that they may cross those boundaries and we need to reel them in a little bit, but just, it's like being conscious about what's going on and that we're both learning, we're co-creating like, what is this relationship? Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of showing up that way through the example, I guess.
0: And I respect that a lot. You know, I'm a father, my kids are much younger. I have a f- 5 almost 6-year-old son and my daughter just turned 2 not recently, and that's exactly the way I want to raise my children is to encourage them to think for themselves. You know, I want I want thinkers, I don't want obedient foot soldiers in my family. And with that comes a really big responsibility to show up a certain way for them because especially with with younger kids who are still developing their sense of what is appropriate as a human being and in this family, but then also how do I want to be? How do I still express myself within the parameters that my these adults are providing? Oftentimes it can be messy, especially for my wife and I when we're overtaxed and we're just we're trying to get things done. You're trying to herd the cats into the car and get on the road. It's a really great checkpoint to remember that these are the children we wanna raise. We wanna raise them to be independent, to think for themselves. And what goes along with that is taking on that responsibility to not always have to have them abide by what we say. Yeah. And And that comes from me being that way as a kid, I was just super obedient as a kid and I don't want my son to just be that.
1: Yeah. And and it's like, can we question what's quote unquote appropriate and Mm -hmm. what's appropriate today may not be appropriate in a year. And so can we just, can we create enough kind of curiosity about all those things? And I think one of the things that's made parenting much easier for me is that I finally don't care what other people think. We're in public, (laughs) my kids, quote unquote, acting a certain way. And granted, they're older now. So, you know, they kind of keep those things maybe in-house more than, you know, a six-year-old might. But still, I don't care what anybody else thinks. This is what (laughs) feels right for me. And it may not be right In certain times, I want to learn from that. And the only way to learn is to be in the experience with them and to get it wrong so that I can get it right the next time. You know, having young kids, you're going to be faced with that a lot more. You're out to dinner. They're running around. They're acting like, quote unquote, brats, whatever. Are they? Or Mm -hmm. did I make a mistake by bringing them out, (laughs) you know, when they were overtired for a meal that's going to take an hour and a half? that's in a quiet restaurant. Like, what did I do to set up this? Okay, so I set this up. Now, can I learn from this experience and really get to that place where I don't care what anybody else thinks? Because for for many years, I tried to tell myself I didn't care what anybody thought, but I really cared. Mm -hmm. As I finally got to the point where I, I understood my actual caring what other people thought was making me act in a way that was not aligned with how I want to raise my kids or how I just want it to be in general. So when I finally made that connection, that that, that wasn't serving me anymore and maybe never was serving me, like I have my own instincts, my own intuition about what is right for my kids in this particular situation. And again, I don't always get it right, but Mm -hmm. If I can rely on how it feels versus trying to make sense in my mind about what the right thing to do is here, then I feel like it just becomes a much easier lift to be out there in that kind of space.
0: Yeah. The last piece I'll say about that is with, especially with my son and being in the work that I am with men and just redefining this culture of masculinity, one thing that's been so important to me has been owning with him when I don't get it right. When I'm like, you know what? I didn't set you up for success there. You know what? I was responsible for that breakdown because I didn't feed you before we left the house because I was in a rush or I forgot or I took you somewhere that you weren't gonna be happy going and I didn't prepare you for that. I didn't set you up. Modeling that, and I know we even do it with our daughter too, even though she's two, just it's made a big difference with my son being able to see that because I see that he's more willing to own and admit when he's like, you know what? Yeah, even just this morning, there's an example where, I heard, I was in the other room and all of a sudden I hear my daughter crying. So I go in there, I say, what happened? And I see my son's got something in his hand and she's crying, holding her head, (laughs) put two and two together. It's pretty simple, right? A plus B equals C. (laughs) And I ask him, I like said, what happened? And he goes, I accidentally hit her in the head. And I say, okay, well, did you accidentally hit her in the head and make it okay for him to tell me what actually happened? And since we have a history of doing that, he's like, no, I hit her in the head because, and I said, okay, well. Is that what you want to do with your sister? Do you want to hit her in the head when she's doing something you don't want? He's like, no. Okay, well, do you want to check on her? And giving him the opportunity to be able to say that because I remember as a kid I was so afraid of getting in trouble or reprimanded yes. or, or cornered into how people want, how my parents and my authority figures wanted me to be that there wasn't room for honesty. And then that creates this pattern of lying and deceit because I'm so terrified of what might happen of the repercussions
1: that's huge right there. Cause you could have easily said, there's no way you did that on, on accident. There's no way. And back him into a corner. And then he half admits it and he doesn't because he's afraid of the consequences. Instead you allowed him to take responsibility for it without a major consequence. And that's, I hope everybody is paying attention to that because it's such a subtle example of how you can just hold space for your kid and let them know that we don't always get it right. And as you Mm -hmm. said, when you show up and you say, Hey, listen, this was on me. I know that, you know, things got out of hand, but this is what I did where next time I'll do it. I'll do it better. You know, I intend Mm -hmm. to do it better. That's such an amazing uh, patterning for them to see you do that because they are paying attention to all of it. Mm -hmm. They need to know it's okay to do something. And I don't like to use wrong, but to not do it, you know, maybe the best way. And because it's a learning experience, we so badly want to, in our hearts in the right place, right? You could easily say, my two-year-old daughter, like, I got to stick up for her because he's bigger and he's going to hit her and Mm -hmm. You can rationalize it any way you want, but is it really getting to the outcome you ultimately want for your son? Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you brought that example up. We have these opportunities throughout the day with our kids, with our partners, with our friends, with ourselves. Can we give ourselves a break? Like, okay, maybe I should have done this this particular thing a different way. What's Mm -hmm. the learning within that? I think a lot of times, I'll just speak for men because I know a lot of men feel this. We're really hard on ourselves. We want to get it right. With my wife in particular, like we've just been together 21 years. It hasn't always been easy. And in the past three or four years, there's been like a huge growth for me and understanding about how I want to show up. And then there are times when I don't show up and I have become so hard on myself about it. And it wasn't really until I did a podcast with a really close friend of mine, Adam Roa. Do you know who Adam is?
0: I do. Yeah. He's been on here before.
1: Yeah. So, you know, Adam, he's like, Cal, you got to look at it as, you know, as an example, as your mile time. You used to run a 10 minute mile. Now in your relationship, you're running a six minute mile. You're still not maybe where you want to be. So when you, you know, kind of fuck up, it's not, you're running the 10 minute mile again. You shaved all this time off your mile. Now you're actually aware of this misstep 30 minutes later or 10 minutes later or an hour later versus six months later when she brings it mm-hmm. up like you as you become more aware you start to see where you're kind of fucking up more and mm-hmm. so it's like almost a double-edged sword because you're you know before I just wasn't aware and that's not good either so mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things where if we can just give ourselves a break within mm-hmm. that and i think it happens a lot with our partners where we want to show up a particular way especially as we have these awakenings can we still give ourselves the space to grow and to learn and it helps to have a partner like my wife who you know more often than not is she's just there she's understanding and she knows that she's going to have these missteps too and so it's on me to to give myself that space
0: which i think is a huge part of the I'll use your word, the unlearning from previous generations that we're in the process of. The, the idea that we we need to get it all right, that we ever even could. Right? There's this, there's this overarching idea that every single one of us in this massive social experiment of billions of people on the planet, that someday all of us are going to fit into this perfect box of how we need to be. And obviously, there's just no way that would ever happen. And the expectation that we carry with that puts so much pressure and stress on us, especially as men. And one of the big things that I've been questioning right now is this idea of ambition and where that comes from. I grew up watching my dad work really hard to take care of the family. And I know that that's something many of us men received either from our fathers or our uncles or our grandfathers, maybe several generations of men that just passed the torch down to the next generation. And we just had a gathering here this weekend with 40 guys and the conversation of ambition and drive came up and it's very personal for me because I see myself with young children and a business and all these other things I have going on in my life going and going and going. And it finally dawned on me this weekend that I'm doing this exactly the way that my father did perhaps even at a faster pace than he did. And I see where he is right now. And I don't want to be there. I don't want to be 65 years old, exhausted, barely able to get through the day because I've just been driving so hard for so long. And for what? At least questioning, why am I pushing myself like this? What is being ambitious, but also taking care of myself actually look like? Mm. So I'm interested in what your journey with that might have been because I think every single man has gone through that or is going through that at some point.
1: Yeah, it's such a great question. So, so, I mean, that is loaded. You know, I would say, like you, I grew up in, in a house where my dad and my mom they actually owned a grocery store. So they worked a lot of hours to make not a lot of money, but that's what they knew and that's how they showed up. They didn't have a lot in the tank after that. So, to your point, I was doing the same thing. You know, I was a trader in Chicago from college for almost 20 years. And then I got out of the trading business back in 2013 and we moved to Austin. And as I transitioned from trading, I got into coaching, mostly around fitness, lifestyle, nutrition. And I thought that was gonna be my path on, you know, same going all in, And found myself after, you know, a number of years of that and some other projects doing the same thing. And it wasn't really until I would say I kind of went on my own personal journey of awakening to understand that while I had accumulated all these things and had what anybody would say is an amazing life on the outside, I was completely unfulfilled as I did my own inner work, just made the connection that I just didn't feel lovable. I felt like I needed to continue to show up, to provide for my family, my kids, my friends, to prove that I was worthy of their love. And as I started to decouple those ideas, I started to show up differently. I started to show up and understand that they just want me. You know, my wife had tried to say that to me a number of different times, a number of different ways. But I wasn't in a place to accept that. I didn't believe her because I I didn't love myself. And if we don't have that self-love, we're really not going to believe that our love is enough for someone else. And as I really connected to that, and I I still struggle with it at times. I still get into those patterns of of working. But I, I recognize it now. And I can shift gears. And listen, there's times when we have to put our head down and get something done. You know, but as you know saying that we come up here in Idaho every summer we have for a number of years last summer i was launching a an online program i was doing a lot of podcasts and my summer was largely spent working and, and my family's up here to hang out and there's a lot of other families so my kids are you know they're definitely playing with their friends but i felt like the summer just went by And I was very conscious this year that I was not going to do that, that I was going to do a few podcasts. You know, we're here for two months. I'll do a couple podcasts. Yours is one of maybe three I'm going to do this summer. And Honored. (laughs) Yeah. And the rest of it is spent doing things that I can't do back in Austin and to recharge the batteries and to be as you mentioned there's such a beautiful you know that my background here it's it's beautiful country up here in Coeur d'Alene. and i want to really sink into that and not be caught in the doing but it takes for a lot of us it's that understanding that we are lovable by just being us and to practice self love and it means there are different ways to do that for all of us we have to find our own journey through that i believe Mm -hmm. But until we understand that there's no void to fill, because that Mm. is literally a void that is unfillable. We get close sometimes, we get enough external validation where we feel love for a minute, like, yes, I've earned it, I'm good. People like me, people love me. And then we got to wake up the next day and do it all over again. It's exhausting. I think a lot of us get caught in that loop.
0: Absolutely. And for me, at least where I'm at with it right now, Cause it's not like this weekend I had this huge revelation and all of a sudden I'm different. Mm -hmm. It's questioning where and when that ambition shows up for the sake of what, why am I driving right now? Why am I, why am I pushing so hard? Why am I stressing myself out and in turn letting that stress leak on my family to do this specific thing? You know, why am I rushing out the door to jump on a podcast interview for what? And sometimes that answer is because I really care about it because it's really important to the greater mission I have in my life. And then it's, okay, well, then that makes sense. I'm, I'm willing to accept the consequences of this decision because this is important to me. Other times, it's I'm just going to go because that's all I know how to do and it's become a pattern in my life. And I'm doing this because I'm trying to get somewhere that I think will be more fulfilling than where I am currently. <laughs> is that where I wanna be with that? And no, but I have to slow down for a moment to ask myself that question, otherwise, the autopilot kicks in.
1: I love that. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's this idea that a future state, once we check a few of these boxes, I will feel more fulfilled and mm-hmm. that sense of fulfillment is available to us right now if we can unclutter the mind and and check in with okay, like why am I doing this, you know? It could going on a podcast or hosting a podcast, you could have a particular energy around it. Sometimes we get caught up and there's a lot of things going on and it feels like another thing we're doing. If we can take a moment, if we can just breathe and remember why we're doing it, we come through with a completely different energy and then we are energized. We don't feel like it's another thing that we're doing and it's it's easy. As mm-hmm. conscious as we may think we are, it's so easy to get caught in that trap. And it just takes a moment, like I said, just a brief check-in with ourselves to why am I doing this? Because this is part of my act of service to show up in this way for whoever it may help. And it helps me too. It helps me to come on here to get more clear on how I feel about things. Because sometimes mm-hmm. if it's just swimming around in my mind, it doesn't quite land. But as you and I are here having this conversation, it allows me the space to choose my words wisely and get, to get super clear. And now after this conversation, hundred percent, I'll go through my day in a different way than I would have had you and I not sat here. And there's mm-hmm. no telling who that's going to serve, particularly people within my family, you know, after this. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to come on here with you today, brother. Thank you.
0: Likewise, man. Yeah. And, and that's what I find too, is one of the gifts I received back by, podcasting and having these conversations in all the ways that I do is exactly that too when we're having these conversations more consistently the honest conversations with other men who are going through the same thing who we catch ourselves in that moment it's like stepping into the dugout for a minute right and yeah. just taking a pause saying hey what's going on out there on the field for you is it are you having a hard time out like yeah yeah me too i just came in here i'm sweating because i've been running 100 miles an hour all right, well, how's that going for you? You know, not, not going too well. <laughs> Let's look at that. And it seems like such a simple thing. But I notice for myself, and I see it in other men, we whip ourselves up to such a fast speed that a lot of these distinctions actually get collapsed. One of which, especially around ambition, is this culture, uh, I make a distinction between quitting and surrender. And I think the difference is giving up versus letting go. And, but anything that has been clustered into this category of loss, defeat, is not honorable or acceptable in our society, especially in our culture of masculinity. And if I'm moving so quickly, I don't see the distinction, the subtleties between quitting and surrendering or giving up on something when I actually just needed to let go of it because I was carrying it without consciously choosing it. I was just doing it because it's what I've always ever done. And so when we have these pauses, like right now, where the only thing I'm paying attention to is you on the other side of the screen, I can actually look at that and say, whoa, what am I missing here? Let's, let's peel back the layers and look at this a little more closely. And that's a big one for me right now in conjunction with ambition is where am I actually needing and wanting to surrender and let go and release because I'm holding so much and not seeing it as a failure, not seeing it as defeat or a quit or a anything else that's been tied to that i think that's something that we need to and get to have more conversations with men around is this distinction specifically
1: yeah and it's you know you and i were just talking about this before we got on but i was with a bunch of buddies a couple days ago we were out on a boat having a great time and i you know i've got a fanny pack that i get a little bag of tricks in and uh one of them is this meditation mist that has Essential oil on it. It's got like eucalyptus, peppermint, rosemary. It has some um, hape, which for your listeners who don't know is sacred Am- Amazonian tobacco snuff. And so when you you know you do this nasal spray, it puts you in a different state. And just for record, it is legal. It's, it's online. It's, it's from Mitozen. It's called Meditation Hist. I, I do recommend it if you're you're curious about having a bit of an altered state a way for you to just drop in and be grounded. It's been a great tool for me, but I gave it to a buddy of mine. who's just not like that. He's like super controlling. Like when things are a little bit off, he freaks out a little bit and he's very animated. So it becomes <laughs> kind of a big deal. <laughs> so unbeknownst to me, one of my buddies had given it to him and I always prep, you know, whenever I give it to someone's like, Hey, this is what's going to feel like this is, you know, da 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 these are some potential outcomes. This is what happens as it's coming in, like breathe. All of a sudden, I look over and he's freaking out. I, don't, I lost my mind. I don't know what's going on. I can't see my feet. <laughs> okay, breathe. Just breathe. And I don't know if, he, I don't believe he has a meditation practice. I don't know if he's ever done breath work. So just to invite him to stop and breathe and then surrender. Surrender this meditation, miss, for you is a repetition for you to understand what surrender means. Because if you try to control the situation, you're gonna have the experience you're having right now. And do you wanna have that experience? You don't, Mm -hmm. okay. So hear me out, surrender, let go, let the medicine work. And I swear I've seen him probably four or five times whether on the golf course, we were at a thing last night and he comes up to me and he says, surrender. So it's a (laughs) simple thing that he got to experience in the physical form and it becomes an entryway for me to invite him to more surrender in his life and to see what would happen for him. And what I said to him, I was like, dude, when we surrender, we start to understand that the universe is working for us, not against us. And he's like, the universe is against me. He clearly had that feeling. I said, brother, Mm. I promise you it's not. And these Mm. practices if you allow them in are going to show you that there's so much working for you, but you need to let go of a particular outcome that you're seeking because that outcome in the future, while you think it's what you want in order to get there, you you have to step out of alignment with what feels right, because you're up in your head, trying to sort out what the right pathway is to that particular outcome that you think you want. Now, Mm. if we just tune into what feels right Right now, in every moment, we start to have an outcome that we didn't even know was possible. And it just shows up. And it's fleeting. And so we're just like always in these different outcomes. And it becomes this journey. And it's guided by us tuning into what feels right, what is alive for us here and now. And it becomes much simpler than, okay, I want to achieve this particular thing. What's the strategy I need to get there? We start to act in a way that is, like I said, out of alignment. We start to strategize. We start to say things because we want a particular outcome with a relationship, a conversation. And it becomes a house of cards. All of a sudden, Hmm. we maybe actually got to the outcome and it doesn't feel nearly as good as we thought it was going to. And then what happens on the other side of that? Well, fuck, I got what I wanted and I feel less fulfilled than I was before. Mm -hmm. It's a pattern that has been given to us. Set your goals, go achieve your goals. There's a lot more nuance around that. You know, what is the goal in the present moment? Okay, I want to do things that are alive for me. Okay, that's a different goal than I want to make a million bucks or I want to have this car. Whatever, you know, fill in the blank. What is alive for me right now and what is not alive for me? What makes me feel constricted? Okay, let's not do those things. That doesn't feel good for me, but the things that do feel good, the more of those things I invite into my life, everything just unfolds. The universe is working for us. We literally manifest. I have a lot of friends up here who are retired professional athletes, and unfortunately, a lot of them are not in particularly good shape. They spent their entire lives training for sport. When they're done, they don't want to do it anymore. And unfortunately, a lot of that gets replaced with golf and drinking and poor eating. And for me, you know, I played sports in college, but I've always wanted to feel really good. They always ask me, like, dude, how do I get that, what you have? I said, honestly, you need to start with like your mindset and not from this corny way, but if you look in the mirror and say, I'm a fat shit all these guys feel that way. They look, you know, they look at maybe how I am and they're like, I'm so lazy. I don't do, you're perpetuating that. You're going to manifest that. But if, if mm-hmm. you look and say, wow, I, I've been working out four days a week and I've lost a little bit of weight, you know, maybe instead of being, you know, two one of my buddies was 250, fighting weight for him is 200. But now mm-hmm. he's down to 230. Mm-hmm. I said, Brother, if you just start to understand that you're on the journey now, you've lost 20 pounds, you're taking care of yourself versus looking in the mirror, looking down at your waistline and saying, what happened to me? You just feed whatever those thoughts are. And I'm not talking about just like corny, positive affirmations. It's literally giving yourself a break and understanding that, yeah, maybe you lost your way for a bit, but you're back on the proper path. And, you know, a lot of that, again, comes back to us being harder on ourselves. I should have never let this happen. Well, you did let it happen and that's okay. What are you going to do about it today in this moment?
0: I think that's another really great point, man. In this conversation, we are hard on ourselves as men. And the other side of the spectrum of that is being complacent, right? And totally letting it all go. (laughs) But on the part of what you're speaking to, I think it's looking at where are we sourcing our motivation from? Because how much of our lives has been comparison, especially men, man, what a poisonous thing to compare ourselves to other men and focusing specifically on our inadequacies or our perceptions of our failure points to motivate us to be better. I mean, I think that's a very traditional masculine orientation that has a lot of consequences to it. In some ways, I'm sure it's effective. I'm sure that a lot of guys have driven themselves to achieve from a place of a lack or inadequacy. But that's not the only way to get there, right? It's like holding on to that one thing, like you said, and not letting, what about, what if you let go of the, the the need to drive yourself and motivate yourself from this place of lack? Yes. Exactly what you said. What if, what if you motivate yourself from, by focusing on your successes and focusing on where you are doing well? Have you tried that? It's a completely different way of approaching it and you only know by trying it. But that's a really important one for us guys, right? Is where are we motivating ourselves from? Where are, where are we sourcing that?
1: Yeah, are we motivating ourselves or are we, finding inspiration. And I I feel like you hit the nail on the head because I feel the energetic exchange when one of these guys will make a comment and and it's like, I'm not inspiring them. Mm -hmm. You know, they're seeing this sense of, as you said, inadequacy when, you know, they're seeing how I take care of myself versus how they do. And so, it's not inspiring them. And that's not on me. That comes down to them accepting where they're at. And again, as we said earlier, it's doing that inner work to connect to their own self-love. And when they don't have that self-love, it becomes unfortunately self-loathing and it just becomes this death spiral for them. And again, I try to change the conversation a little bit. I try to give them baby steps. It's like, bro, like this has like been 12 years in the making, you know, but you can start today by showing up like you did. Awesome. Okay, great. Instead of having six beers on the course have three like let's just move in the right direction but don't think that because you're not going to be able to get to this state you know very quickly like what is your journey look like again it becomes that outcome they want is to look this particular way it takes a lot of work so what can we do today that is moving in that right direction but it is i think it's the main factor besides i mean obviously the self love piece but it's they're motivating them. They're trying to motivate themselves. And maybe that gets them to show up at some workouts, but it's not sustainable. No, inspiration, no. there's an there's an unquenchable thirst with the inspiration that's available to us at all times, but the motivation runs dry. You have mm-hmm. to be connected to that sense of inspiration to be able to move forward, to want to make those lifestyle changes because you love yeah. yourself and you want to take care of yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Man, and the impact of our culture, regardless of how old you are. I know a lot of times the speed of culture gets focused on the millennial generation around entitlement and instant gratification, but it's really getting on all of us. Anybody who's got a smartphone, (laughs) anybody who's got an iPhone these days is being impacted by the accelerated speed of society and the expectation at which we think things can have an outcome, right? Cause and effect, right? Our expectations of cause and effect have accelerated. So when we look at how that's affecting us, I mean, you're talking about professional athletes. Let's use these guys, retired professional athletes. Losing 20 pounds is probably not the hardest thing they've ever done in their lives, right? To be right. a professional athlete and reach that pinnacle, and even if you're not a professional athlete, if you're alive on the planet today as an adult male, you probably have overcome and achieved some incredible uh, accomplishments, even if it's just surviving hardship and adversity as a child. We all go through it. It doesn't matter what circumstances you grew up in, but something like losing weight Getting back in shape, getting back in the gym, creating a new pattern for yourself can feel like the biggest thing Mm -hmm. that you've ever gone through because now the timeline for something like that, it's not instant. We all have this expectation that it is or it should be. And if it's not, then why bother? Because it's like I quit before I even get started if it can't happen like that. Yes.
1: And it's again, they look at it as losing weight and that becomes something again that's unsustainable. What shift can I make in? You know, again, it goes deeper with the inner work, but for them, what can I do today that is serving a better version of me and being intentional about that? And then I think down the road becomes the inner work. I mean, You know, it takes a while to be able to open up to getting into those deep wounds, that trauma, the stuff that we've all dealt with or gone through and maybe haven't dealt with yet, but it takes getting through the layers of the armoring for, for a lot of us, it certainly did for me. And if it can just be advocating for yourself, what's one thing today that just will put me on the right path. And what can I take away that will also be supportive of that versus I want to lose weight. I go on a diet, I starve myself. I'll do this. this. It's like, okay, that's going to work for a little bit of time. Okay. But you need to change your relationship to yourself period. Mm -hmm. And that starts baby steps, advocate for yourself, do things that are supportive. And then eventually you get into that deep inner work of self-love. And then you change your relationship to self. And the other stuff, you just start losing weight. It's no longer a thing. You're just okay with you and you want to support you and you want to put good stuff in your body. And it doesn't mean you're not going to have a cupcake or drink a beer or it's the gray area in all that, but now when you do, you don't think I'm a fucking loser because I just had a cupcake and I'm on a diet and I'm this and here I go again. And you will manifest all that. That's what you're putting out there. Mm-hmm. So it's so important to just that you know it comes down to that relationship to self.
0: Man, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And. I think it also fits back in with what we were talking before about ambition. And I know for myself, I'm speaking from personal experience, when I've loaded my plate up with a whole bunch of stuff and then I see something like, man, I've gotten out of shape or I've gotten away from my meditation practice and it used to be something that was so easy to be consistent with. But now that this plate is so full, it seems like a mountain. To have that expectation that I should be able to just turn it on. I should be able to just flip that switch and have it again, it makes me just check right out of it. If I'm not just looking at, okay, well, how do I want to be with this? How do I want to approach this? What does it look like now? Yeah, it was easy to do all that stuff before I was married and had children and had my business and everything going. What is it now? How is my practice look today? And am I willing to accept that? And then the parts mm. that I'm not accepting of, am I willing to change that and let go of the timeline? Let go of the parts that I can't control because I can't control the timeline. I can't, I can influence my cellular composition, but I can't will every single cell of mine to change the way I want it to at the speed I want it to (laughs) go. I could do the repetitions, but my body's got it. I got to meet my body halfway and let it do the rest.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's so beautifully said. I love that.
0: Beautiful stuff, man. Time flies, and I know that we're just about at our time here, so I just want to say I'm really grateful for everything you brought here today. It was a great conversation. I'd like to hit you with a few lightning round questions and then have you sign off by telling us where we can go and check out some of the great work you're doing. Perfect. Cool, so first one. What is one thing you've learned in your life you wish you knew when you were 18?
1: I mean, I guess (laughs) just to stay on brand here, just self-love, that I'm I'm good. Actually, I don't know because, you know, now that I think about it, there's nothing I would change. And so it's hard. Like if if I knew about self-love then, like, what does my journey look like? I think I had to go through so many years of not having that experience of self-love to understand like what it feels like on the other side. Mm -hmm. Maybe that alcohol is not my friend.
0: Mm. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a worthy one. Good. And what do you think is the most important value to have as a man?
1: Again, it's a bit of a buzzword, but I think vulnerability and I think within that becomes this acceptance and compassion. But as I become more vulnerable and been able to open up, it's opened up so many doors for me in my relationships. And I think it's helped a lot of other men, you know, and I think just that vulnerability, the more of us that can show up that way, it's an invitation for
0: others to do the same. Beautiful, man. And last but not least, where should people go to find you, follow you, check out the podcast, give us all the info.
1: Yeah, the podcast is, as you said, the great unlearn and that's on, you know, kind of all all platforms and then Instagram cal.callahan. I'm not super active on there, but certainly the podcast, we, you know, throw up our trailers and when I feel inspired to share, I will, but you know, sometimes it will be a couple months with, without a big share and then I'll get three in a week. So I try to stay true
0: to that. Heck yeah, man. I'm the same way too. I'm glad. It's good to see another man honoring that that pace for himself, right? We're not all we're not all Usain Bolt on the Instagram (laughs) feed. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Right on, man. Well, thank you for honoring us with your presence. Really, I really do feel very appreciative that you took some time out of your summer and your time with your family to jump on here, be one of the few podcasts you're doing. And yeah, look forward to catching up with you further down the road, man. I can tell you're doing some great work and the unlearn concept is what I'm taking away from this and carrying it into my day. So thank you for that, Cal.
1: I love it. Thank you so much for having me. This has been amazing. You are a tremendous host and you can really hold space and it's such an easy conversation. So I I really appreciate that and and allowing me to work through some stuff today. So thank you for that. And if you're ever in Austin, You got to come to our our Wednesday workout and then just drop in with us. So it'd be great to see you.
0: Heck yeah, man. Count me in. You bet. (laughs) All right, fam, make sure you go over to risingman.org to get access to links and resources for this episode and every episode of the podcast. While you're there, check out all the amazing programs and opportunities we have for you to get more involved in the Rising Man community, including our 12-week online course called Ignite. Go check it out today. Please subscribe to us wherever you're listening to the podcast and go check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Rising Man Movement. Hit the subscribe button and check out everything we got going on over there because we're dropping new content each and every week. Follow us on Instagram at rising man movement and everybody out there big shout outs to y'all the power team leadership team here at rising man and our whole rising man community we're all in this together we've got the momentum going and there's no stopping now so until next time rise up and claim your destiny